Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Tuesday, August the 8th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. First up, the family of a man who's been missing for more than two weeks have told the podcast they won't give up searching. 22-year-old Liam Graham was last seen on Stoke Road in Who in the early hours of July the 22nd. Well, his sister Holly has been speaking to Dan Bishner. Would you just be able to recap for us what we know so far about Liam, if that's okay? He was last seen on North Street on Stoke Road in Who on the 22nd of July around 1am. Police do suspect that he could have a head injury after viewing footage of him, which showed Liam walking away, asking for help and holding his head. He was wearing a black hoodie, black shorts and black Puma trainers and he's about six foot tall. He's got a shaved head. Would you be able to tell, for people that may not know, about the area where he, he was last seen? It is the back rows between Upper Stoke and Who. Um, it is like um, it's like a lane um, around, like, between lots of fields and ditches and trees. Um, so we've had lots and lots of searches around that area, but unfortunately we aren't coming up with anything at all. How unusual is it for you and the family not, not to hear from Liam? We've never we've never had anything like this. He's he's always been in contact with somebody, whether it be my mum or my brother or myself. He's all he's a very family orientated person. Would you be able to describe more about the type of, of person that Liam is? He is really loving, really emotional person. We've always been really close as siblings. When I was younger, if I was ever feeling a bit low or anything, he'd always be the first person to help me make me feel better he's just funny and caring he's just a, he's just a lovely person you mentioned some searches um happened already would you be able to tell us i know there's one happening this wednesday would you be able to tell us more about that so it starts at 10 30 a.m on wednesday in the car park in lower stoke opposite the nags head pub um they're aiming to set off about 11 a.m we're just hoping for as many people as possible because we've got set areas that we like to look at around Stoke because my mum does believe that he was probably heading home to her which is where he lives we're looking at Stoke now just to see if he got further than what we had expected do you have a message for for Liam himself Liam we love you so much and our family feels so broken knowing that we well not knowing where you are we just need to know that you're okay and we just need to know where you are Um, So just please, please come home if you're hearing this. As Holly mentioned there, they've organised a search which will be starting tomorrow at 10.30. Kent Online News. Other top stories today and it's emerged a man who died when a car crashed into a roundabout in Ashford was travelling home from a party. 20-year-old Matty Tobacco was a passenger in the Gulf that ended up in a ditch after coming off Badmonster Rifle Road at the end of last month. A coroner's heard he suffered fatal head and chest injuries. A woman's been charged after a stabbing near a caravan park on Sheppey. The victim was flown to hospital and is in a serious but stable condition after it happened in Warden over the weekend. A 36-year-old
child from Pets Wood is due in court. A man who failed to pay for food and drinks at a restaurant and a pub in Mepham has avoided being sent to prison. James Hutton visited Bartellas and the George Inn where he and his girlfriend racked up bills totalling nearly £200. Well, the 33-year-old from London Road in Mitcham also shoplifted from Tesco and assaulted and abused a police officer. He's been given an 18-month community order. Next today, and it's understood, asylum seekers who refuse to move onto a barge off the Dorset coast could have their government support cancelled. Now, the vessel is being used to house those who've crossed the Channel to Kent in small boats while their applications are being processed. 15 people have spent their first night on board, but around 20 others decided not to stay there. Steve Smith is from Care for Calais, which is helping asylum seekers who've made that decision. What we've done is to present their details to law firms who are challenging the decision to send those individuals on board. Some of the points have been referred to already. This is an unsuitable um, place to house or even perhaps warehouse uh, asylum seekers. It's already been mentioned that it was built for 220, but they're trying to cram 506 people on board. The Fire Brigade Union continues to maintain that the fire safety is still a a strong risk. Cramming so many people on board um, perhaps raises the risk of transmission of disease, uh, added to which many of those who go on board may already have been held in detention facilities, and therefore there's the risk of re-traumatisation. Similarly, this is now effectively a boat on water, and some will already have been traumatised by their crossings potentially of the Mediterranean and certainly across the Channel. If you look at the facilities, they seem pretty small to take on a population of some 500 plus. Also, those individuals are effectively kept away from sunlight, daylight, other than what comes through pretty limited windows. Yes, there's going to be a bus system that takes them out into the local community. Those buses, I understand, have to go through two security checkpoints going out, two security checkpoints coming back in. Uh, They travel up to 11 o'clock at night, so effectively there's a curfew system in place. There's no other way of leaving the port. It has to be on the buses. So in effect, it's close to being a detention facility for many who already will have been in detention facilities. The point I was coming back to, though, was the suitability screening. There appears to be no suitability screening of those who've been earmarked to go on this barge. Uh, And that's the basis of the challenge that the lawyers are bringing at the moment. Uh, And the fact that there has been no suitability screening, again, brings us back to the potential of a knee-jerk reaction. And we've seen this already with Weathersfield, the Weathersfield air base that's been being earmarked to house up to 1,700 asylum seekers. Up until recently, there were 18 military families on site. Some of those families only got a week's notice to move out of their homes to make way for the asylum seekers coming in. You may well have heard that the barge has been very controversial with some groups, including the Fire Brigades Union, raising concerns about safety. However, Justice Secretary Alex Chalk has been defending the decision to house people there. Those who object to going on the barge can seek legal advice and try to resist it in the normal way, and we, we will have those arguments played out in an independent court. That's absolutely right. But look, the, the point about that is the British people uh, would rightly expect, of course, people coming to our uh, country would have basically safe and decent accommodation. 
What they don't expect is that we're spending £6 million a day on four-star hotel accommodation. So this is about fairness. Yes, of course, fairness uh, to migrants, but also fairness to the British people. And we are very clear that it is safe and it is reasonable that people should be uh, provided with acceptable accommodation, but not accommodation necessarily which goes beyond that, which costs huge amounts of money. Because £6 million a day, billions of pounds a year, that's money which then can't be spent on other priorities for the British people, whether it's the NHS or whether it's uh, schools and so on. And that's why, you know, your listeners will be aware that we're considering all sorts of disused army bases. We want to consider what accommodation is out there which will take the strain off the taxpayer that is currently spending a huge amount of money per day. So we want to bring that number in expensive hotel accommodation down. The Bibby Stockholm is part of it, but it's not the complete solution. But it also sends a message as well that the British people will be fair, of course will be fair, but we're also going to be fair to the British people as, as, as well. And I think that's... Um, that's, that's the right balance to strike. Kent Online reports. A man has admitted starting a house fire in Faversham, which led to two people being hospitalised. Duncan Hornby has denied attempted murder after the blaze in St Mary's Road last month. The house has since been demolished and the 59-year-old is due to go on trial in January. A man's been arrested following a police chase following a disturbance in Swanscombe. Officers were called to an attempted burglary in Milton Road in the early hours of last Friday. A 20-year-old from London has been bailed while investigations continue. Weapons have been used on pets and wildlife in Kent more than any other part of the country. Stats given to the podcast show things like crossbows, air guns and catapults were used to deliberately target animals 56 times in the year to May. The RSPCA have described it as sickening and shocking. It's emerged a thief failed to turn up at court in Medway because it was on holiday just 11 miles away. Philip Yelding asked for his case to be adjourned because he was at All Hallows Holiday Park, but the request was denied and he was later arrested. The 32-year-old from Cavalway in Sittingbourne has now been given a community order for shoplifting. Now, a Kent landlady has received praise after offering her rental property to local families only. Tish Neves has advertised her flat in Whitstable to people in the area amid a boom in Airbnbs and second homes. Well, Dan has been following this story for the podcast for us and joins me now. Dan, why is what she's done so unusual? So this story is unusual because of this massive rise in Airbnbs and second homes in Whitstable, which is really frustrating residents. Most properties there are being used as one or the other, but local landlady Tish Neves has decided to advertise her three-bed flat there as only available to local tenants to stop this from happening. The 60-year-old has also offered the apartment, which is in Cromwell Road, at £1,150 a month, which is £200 below the market rate. She then posted about it in a local Facebook group and received lots of praise from locals. She says the reaction to the post, but also the huge amount of inquiries she's preparing to go through, is a sign of how bleak the situation is for those in today's rental market. And why are Airbnbs and second homes such a big issue in Whitstable? Residents in the town have been complaining about properties being snapped up by Londoners as second homes or bought to be converted into holiday lets for a long time. Whitstable was actually rated the eighth most popular place in the UK to own a second home. Last year, Kent Online reported how locals believe the massive influx of tourists is pushing people out and eroding the sense of community that they felt many years ago. The knock-on effect of the issue has seen a fall in the number of affordable rental properties in the town, with just two houses currently available for below £1,300 a month. And there has also been issues with Airbnbs in the area for a while. Tish Neves was even advised by an estate agent to convert her property into one, but she said no. 
Earlier this year, there was a public meeting to discuss ways to regulate the industry. And at the time, local resident Jonathan Hollow, who lives next to an Airbnb, said this. Generally, having this feeling that you know fewer of your neighbours is resulting in a deterioration of the life of community in Whitstable. Thanks ever so much, Dan. You can also read that story and let us know what you think by heading to kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online reports. Council bosses in Medway are meeting later to discuss how they can plug massive gaps in their budget. The local authorities facing a £17 million hole in finances by next April. Leader Vince Maple says tough decisions will need to be made so they can keep running vital services. Around 100 young people from Kent who are at the World Scout Jamboree in South Korea have been moved to safety. They're now staying in hotels with the rest of the UK contingent because of extremely high temperatures. A tropical storm is also now heading to the region. Well, Matt Hyde is the chief executive of UK Scouts. So we've just relocated 4,500 young people and adult volunteers away from the Jamboree site to here in Seoul over the past couple of days and they're all in hotel rooms and the Jamboree journey continues here in Seoul. And the reason why we've taken that decision is because we were concerned about young people and adult volunteer safety and there was four reasons for that. The first is that we were particularly concerned about sanitation and the cleanliness of, of toilets that were causing severe concerns from us from a health and safety point of view. In addition to that, we were worried about food and those with dietary requirements in particular and the amount of food that was available. We were concerned also about the heat. It's punishingly hot here in Korea. It's an unprecedented heat wave. But we were concerned about the heat relief measures that were being put in place. And finally, we were concerned about medical services. And those four areas gave us concerns about whether young people and adult volunteers were safe. Uh, and that's why we've relocated our Jamboree journey to here in Seoul. We are disappointed in the organisers and the organisation and we do feel let down. But the Jamboree journey continues for us. At very short notice, we've pulled together an engaging programme of activities and that's happened largely thanks to the help of the British Embassy who welcomed all our participants back over the last couple of days. And because of that, a meeting was brokered yesterday with the Mayor of Seoul who I met um, with other young people as well. And as a result of that, we've managed to get uh, water activities uh, put in place. We've got trekking activities, city bus tours, cultural exchanges and cultural activities. And we're hoping as a result of that to connect with the other contingents who have left the Jamboree as well, because we know there's been uh, a number. And the, the people of Seoul have just been yeah, incredible. This is a remarkable city. Last night, a local football team reached out, offered us 4,000 tickets for our participants to uh, go and watch a game of football. Uh, and, you know, it, I am truly inspired by the response of our adult volunteers and our young people. When I arrived uh, in upstairs in a hall yesterday, as young people were arriving, it was so inspiring just to see their response. They were singing campfire songs. There was someone on the piano. They are a credit 
to scouting and a credit to the UK. Bosses in Canterbury are considering a crackdown on takeaway delivery drivers amid concerns about pedestrians being put at risk. They've had reports of bikes and mopeds breaking the rules by going down the high street. The council has launched a public consultation as they look at how to tackle the issue. We'd love to know what you think. You can comment on the story today or you can send us a message via our socials. Again, food banks say they need donations now more than ever. A rise in interest rates announced last week is likely to make a lot of people's mortgages more expensive. And that will affect household budgets, putting a squeeze on the weekly shop. Well, Peter taylor Gooby from Canterbury Food Bank has been speaking to Abby Hook from our colleagues at KMTV. The big increase in mortgages certainly puts pressure on a lot of people. The people who've just managed to get to, to get as far as buying their own house. And now they find that the mortgage they're having to pay is going up and it's going up beyond what they've budgeted and it's very difficult to cope. But at the same time, renters are under a lot of pressure as well. Uh, rents have been going up steadily in this area, as I'm sure your viewers have noticed. And that is a really serious pressure on many people. One thing is that the number of evictions in the Canterbury district has gone up. It's roughly doubled since what it was uh, before COVID. What can your food bank do? What are you doing to keep up with this demand to help those mortgage holders, but also the renters? Well, we're doing everything we can. Uh, but of course, we depend on our volunteers. And we've now got over 200 volunteers. Uh, we depend on people donating food into our baskets in all the supermarkets and other places. Or we've got over 100 baskets now around the Canterbury district. And also, of course, increasingly, we depend on cash donations because we just don't get enough food donations in to meet the demand. The demand has gone up so fast and food prices are rising, of course, so it's tougher on people who give us food. Uh, and that means we're having to buy in food and we buy in bulk from uh, cash and carries and so on. But uh, and a measure of that, we're probably going to be spending something like £100,000 buying in food just to make up our parcels this year. Are you seeing that um, less people donating to you? No, that's not true. We've got more people donating, uh, but it's just that our operation has expanded 60% extra uh, over the last year. And we've just got demand that's escalating. Uh, so the donations have gone up. Uh, of food's coming in, but it really has not quite gone up enough. And that's why we need to use cash donations uh, to buy an extra food. And our sister radio station, KMFM, is running a Tons of Tins campaign to help replenish food banks. It's just a few days left to make a donation. Head to kmfm.co.uk to find out how you can help. And finally, a Kemp pub that Ed Sheeran visited recently has been put up for sale. The Hengist is in a Grade 2 listed 16th century building in Aylesford and is on the market for six. £625,000. It sold for just half that only a decade ago. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham play their first home game of the new season tonight. They're in EFL Cup action against Championship side Southampton. It follows a 1-0 win over Stockport County on the opening day of their League 2 campaign on Saturday. Well, striker Tom Nichols spoke to us after that one. It's one game. Like We've not done anything yet. We have to keep grinding out wins and, and playing well and 
because at the end of the day everyone wants to get promoted so that's that's the aim for the club and but we're not getting carried away by anything today like we don't think we've we've made it but just by winning that game we've got to keep going and we've got another game Tuesday against Southampton um, be another tough game but it's that's more of a sort of a free hit type game really for us and, and then we get ready for Accrington on Saturday. Kickoff tonight is at 7.45. You'll be able to follow the action at Kent Online and we'll have details of the result in bulletins over on our sister radio station KMFM tomorrow morning from 6 plus in the podcast tomorrow as well. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. Plus, you can get details of the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing and to sign up to that you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk news you can trust this is the kent online podcast